Welcome to the Rise Up Network. I'm your host, James Carmody. The Rise Up Network is committed to sharing those stories of servant leaders, those men and women that are out there in the marketplace, in the community, that are making a difference for others. We have a very, very impactful servant leader in studio with us. It's their third time on the show. I'm very passionate about what they do and their commitment to our military and our community. I have the CEO and co-founder of Support the Enlisted Project, and also the chairman of the Senior County Military Veterans Advisory Council, Mr. Tony Terabanian. Tony, welcome back. Thank you very much. It's always a pleasure, and uh, it's a good time to be here. Good. I know we have, uh, we have a lot to talk about. I'm excited about it. A lot of our network is familiar with you, and they're familiar with STEP and, and, and what you're up to, but for those listeners that may not be familiar, give us just a quick background. You know, where did you grow up? What had you choose the Navy, maybe other, other branches, and how you got to where you are now? Well, that's a, uh, that's a long story for sure, and there's a lot of pieces out there. But, yeah, I grew up in a military family and uh, lived a life. My dad was a career Air Force guy. I uh, lasted almost a semester in college. Military, uh, growing up as a military kid prepares you for a lot of things, uh, mainly survival and tenacity, not necessarily furthering your education. So, uh, yeah, I made it a semester in an electrical engineering course and just kind of fell out of it. And I, I look back on that now in, uh, in the beauty of hindsight, and I see that that was actually my first transition out of the military. And I think it's, it's a lot of the same uh, feelings that I had and the relationship and the belongingness. And I really, I just couldn't connect with school. So um, I randomly walked into the Navy recruiter's office on some advice and asked to see their catalog. And at the end of that conversation, I said, uh, why, the, why the Navy, though? Uh, well, my dad gave me the advice to go to the Navy. And I think he was selling something at the time. He's always selling something on the side to make ends meet. And uh, this was probably just a guy that uh, he, had, he had seen before. And it was, you know, it was a challenging time in school. And it was interesting because when I walked in this, I mean, I, I called my dad on the phone and I said, nothing. And he goes, are you going back to school? <laughs> I'm like, how did you know? You know, he said, you got a pencil? I said, yeah. He said, write this number down. So write the number down. He's like, all right, bye. That was it. All right, see ya. See ya. Call the guy up and he's like, Senior Chief Jones. And I said, my dad said, call you. And that was what I told him. He's like, who's your dad? And I told him and he laughed. And he said, come on down and got the address I went down there and it was interesting that when I walked in that office even never knowing anything about the Navy itself um, being in this military community my entire life I felt easy I felt comfortable I felt safe um, around these people I didn't know just because we shared this military culture and uh, so we went through some discussions I looked at their catalog uh, I took a test and at the end of it I said uh, let me get this straight I can I can be on a submarine You'll teach me how to run a nuclear reactor. You're going to pay me for this, and you give me a place to sleep before Christmas when I get kicked out of the dorms and go homeless. And they said, yeah. I said, sign me up. Great. <laughs> and they said, <laughs> is it, we can't sign you up. You're 17. Oh. And they said, and uh, team chief yells out of the back, said, call Bob T. <laughs> <laughs> He'll sign him. So my dad signed me over. And, yeah, true to their word, Christmas Eve, I was on a train to boot camp. And... Uh, Went through nuclear power school, uh, got to a submarine, did four years on the boat, came out here to San Diego, uh, had a great time doing uh, nuclear repairs um, at the sub base here in San Diego, 
And then it came time for me to go back to another boat, and I failed my medical to the extent that they said you can't, um, you can't be on submarines anymore, you can't go to sea, you can't be around nuclear power, you're out. And uh, at 26, I was, I was retired from the Navy. And this was the entire life, um, my entire life was wrapped up in that. Uh, not, to, not to burst anybody's bubbles, but that's still more than half of my life almost half my life exactly but i'm 51 now so still half of my life was wrapped up in that world sure and it was a huge transition i got really lucky um found a job fast i got even luckier that it was a job that i could transition out of the military very slowly it was a manufacturing job and i had i had a room that i had a mission was you know green lights good red lights bad keep the product flowing here's all your tech manuals here's your toolbox you go make it happen Yep. And in the room to the right of me, you know, downstream, there was a guy just like me that was in some technical trade in the military, and he was doing the same thing. And there's people upstream of me, and we were all over the place. And, and um, it, it took us all a couple years to really to under, start to understand what the community was like and what it's like to be a civilian and, and how civilians act. And we all did it together, and we did it on these 12-hour shifts. And it it gave me time to breathe and it gave me time to start to understand what the rest of my life should look like. And I started going to school, uh, while I was there, I think I got four degrees, three degrees while I was there. Um, and every time I got another degree, I get another promotion and I got another degree and I get another promotion. And I ended up being the chief maintenance engineer there before we closed the factory down. Uh, from there I went and did my own businesses. I had started some stuff on the side with my family and, uh, I went and did that for five or six years, and then I got into consulting with Booz Allen Hamilton, and I was working down at Spay War, and when I was working at Booz Allen, they have a big um, CPP department, culture or uh, corporate partnership and philanthropy, and very big mm -hmm. on volunteering and giving back. And I said, uh, I saw a posting for there was a there was a local nonprofit that was looking for somebody to help them develop their long-term strategy mm. and they worked with military families and I'm like well I know what it's like to be in a military family and I'm doing strategy planning as my day job so I can get some brownie points I can learn how this works um, and that was where I kind of saw what today's military family looked like I've been away from it for about 18 years at that point yep. and I started to kind of see what it looked like and did a, I did a TEDx talk last year, and really at that, at that crux point in there, it was like, you know, in my youth, I was these people. I wore these boots. I lived in these, these housing communities. These yeah. were my parents. Sure. These were my friends. But chapter two of my life, I learned to solve problems. You know, I was a problem solver. So it's like, now let's, let's put these two together. And when given the opportunity um, and some pieces lined up and the question came down, do you want to do something about this? I said, uh, I said yeah, let's do it. So I worked founding board, set up step, and then I became chairman of the board very quickly. Um, and then my president resigned. Wasn't a good fit for the outreach and community involvement side of it. So I couldn't find anybody else to do the job. And I told my wife, I said, I think uh, I think I want to quit this Booz Allen gig and do this uh, step thing full time. She said, why? Because you can't find anybody else for it? I said, that's beside the point. <laughs> that's beside the <laughs> that's point. beside honey. the point. Come on. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's how I got into it. And next month is six years as the CEO. Thank you. And, you know, what I, what I 
love is that you used used your experience and your talents to really build this organization. You know, growing up in a military family, you had those experiences. You're familiar with that environment. You know, you know what the challenge is and what works and what doesn't work for military families. You know, and then right. on the, and then on the you know Booz Allen side of things, you're fixing stuff. Fixing right. stuff. It was process improvement. It was strategy. So it was all about long-term goal success. Mm. And that was really where we came into this. And what we ended up doing with STEP was we created this behavioral intervention. So I brought social workers into the picture. And I challenged her. I said, can you permanently change the way somebody deals with their money? And she brought... Uh, that was a beautiful question. Yeah. And she said, yes. And I said, that's really... <laughs> Wait a minute. You can <laughs> permanently change how someone so thinks about in, money, right. their belief? She brought in five social work components and built it into a process. And I took that process and I laid it over one of my change management processes from Booz, where now people come in and they get walked through this process. And the techniques that are used are social work techniques, uh, solution-focused approach, strengths perspective, crisis theory. That's pretty good for it's off a good, the cuff. It's, it's, you're yeah. a few years removed. I give yeah. you kudos. <laughs> But uh, so it's really about all these social work pieces to help them solve their problems. And what happens is our social worker walks with them and profiling them and figuring out what's the best question to ask them to move them to the next step. But having them move themselves to the next step is the key. And that's how we can we can get 90 percent of our program graduates um, are in a better financial position. 90 percent, 90 percent are in a better financial position a year post intervention. Wow. You know, for for those folks that aren't familiar with STEP, give us the quick, like, on the ground, in reality, what does it look like? There's, a, like, the crisis is X. They're referred to you guys. Like, what is that process? What's the outcome? Yeah, so most everybody's referred. The families that come to us are referred to us. Ninety-plus percent are come from personal referrals from either their friends, coworkers, military like supervisor. Or or a fro or something. Right, or a, another agency on base that they go to, a okay. financial agency. We, we work strong with partnerships. And then there's 135 agencies in the community wow. that, that will send us this person because they, they know that this person in crisis, that we're the best resource for them. And, and we work hard to build those relationships so that people are safe sending these very critical, their sure. most critical and vulnerable client because we'll see about 1%, just under 1% of the, of the E136 population here in San Diego and across Southern California. So it's, um, you know, it's, out of out of a hundred people in a room, the yep. one person that gets in the worst financial situation all year is the same person we see. That's you know, who gets 80, sent to step. eighty times a month. We'll see that person. You know, people like wow. that. Sure. And so there's these crazy situations, and um, they're very complex, and they're very emotional, and they're very personal, and they're very uh, time critical. So what we have to do is react to each one, kind of triage everything going on, and help folks. Um, get through those situations. So they'll mm-hmm. come to us in this crisis. We'll listen to the crisis. We'll figure out the best way to manage through this situation. The social workers come alongside them. Um, and essentially, they'll get help understanding their, it's really decompartmentalizing their financial under, understanding and their financial situation because they have to sleep at some point. They have to do all these other things. And if you sure. know you have all these major issues, um, you can't sleep and you, you can't work and you can't do all these other things. So it's a, it's, a, it's a human habit, human trait that we compartmentalize this information and we, we try to disassociate it from our consciousness. Yep. Um, so we get that back. We help them develop some financial goals and then we help them develop a path to achieve those goals um, all through 
the, supervi the supervision of the counselor, but they're actually doing the work, which is how we can get the ownership, the skin in the game, um, and the 90% success rate. About half the time, we need to infuse some cash into the situation. It's great to have a budget that starts at your next paycheck, but if you're going to lose your house or your car or not be able to feed your kids between now and that next paycheck, then you know it's just not going to happen. It's, right. not a, it's not a good solution. So then then we'll infuse some cash in that situation. So we'll we'll manage about 800 cases a year. Okay. And we'll grant between 250 and $300,000 a year. Wow. To to retain or restore those basic needs. And when these when these folks are done with step, they're empowered, they have more confidence. They're clear in what there is to do. And they have a very specific game plan that they created. They have actually a paycheck awesome. by paycheck budget that okay. goes through a complete debt reduction program for them. So whether wow. it's 30, 40, 50 months, um, also to into achieving their goals. So they have a plan laid out. They yep. created it and they have a resource to come back to. So they have buy-in. They created it. They have buy-in and they have kind of, you know, it's like you help them get their head around the whole problem and look at it holistically. Mm. And that's really the key there. Uh, each of these are individual solutions that are driven by each individual client yeah. based on what they think is a priority, based on what their current situations are and their desired future situations are. Re I mean, really powerful. You know, you're having people choose responsibility. Mm -hmm. It's not being done to them or for them. Yeah, and it can't their be. Their choice right. and their plan. Yeah, no, I, can't, I can't make you change. I can't sure. make you quit smoking. I can't make you go to the gym. Right. I can't do any of that stuff. But if you say to me, if you come into my office and say, I don't have enough, I don't have enough food to feed my kids tonight, and they told me you could help me. And maybe that's what you're saying, but the trained ear of the social worker hears, I can't, I can't do this alone anymore. I want your help, and I want it to be different. I don't want to be in this current situation anymore. And yeah. they're going to smile at you, and they're not going to say it's going to be okay. They're not going to say, we'll take care of it. What they're going to say is, oh, well, how do you want it to be? It's like, well, I want to feed my kids. Oh, yeah? All right. So let's start talking about how we feed our kids. Let's start talking about how these solutions happen. And yep. those kind of questions will keep going the whole time. And the people, there's a lot of awkward silences. Sure. You know, does it, so this is how much you're spending and this is how much you're breaking. Is that sustainable? Uh, <laughs> no. All right, so how long is that going to last? I don't know. All right, what can we do to change it? Is there any way to change it? Yeah. They always say make more money first. <laughs> right. Or spend less money. Or right. just, you know, can I get a promotion? Right. Some people do get, I mean, there's, there's a lot of different solutions, but it's, it's about <coughs> them coming up with that creation. And it's, you know, it's this time in the space. Now I've been leading this for six years. Um, I've actually moved into this, moved into this larger piece where, um, it's like, man, if I can do this here at Step, yep. I got more people coming to me. It's like, hey, you know, our city councilman, Tony, your homeless prevention program is 90% effective. Mine's five. And it's, you know, quadrupled what, in what budget over the last few years. What are you doing? How can I learn from you? Right? How can we work together? Awesome. How, can, um, how can we work to build better relationships within all the different military service providers, which kind of led to my work with the Coast Guard City Committee? Yep. Um, now I'm the chairman of the county's Veterans Advisory Council, Military and Veteran Advisory Council, where we're kind of the eyes and ears. Say that again. That's like a long word, and I've right. never even heard of this group. San Diego County. So it's the county of, uh, what is it, 3 million people? Yep. 
so the county board of supervisors has a council that advises them on the needs, desires, problems, successes of the veteran population. So San Diego has the third most veterans of any county in, in the United States, soon to be number one. By 2032, I think we'll be number one. Uh, Maricopa and L.A. right now are ahead of us. Phoenix. Um, we have the largest concentration. Right, 10% of the United States military is stationed in San Diego County. So we have the largest concentration of the military. We make the most veterans. We have the youngest population of veterans, more, the more post 9-11 veterans than anywhere else. So it's a huge community. And uh, this, this uh, advisory council that the, that the board set up is designed to be kind of the eyes and ears into that. So over the next two years as I'm chairman, we're, you know, the big goal is gonna be to try to share that message out there that this is a body that um, has a direct line to the board of supervisors and the policies that they create. I, uh, had the opportunity to go back to Harvard Business School, to uh, your beloved Boston. My hometown. Out, hang out in Cambridge there and live in their executive dorms for a week last summer. And it was their MBA teachers, professors, that were um, doing the strategic, uh, strategic perspectives and nonprofit management course. And there I got to sit through. Um, you know, I thought I was all this great stuff. And I was talking to somebody right before I went, and they said, Tony, this is a really great pilot you created. <laughs> A great pilot. You're like, like, what? Oh, this is man. my day job, man. This is not a hobby. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I started thinking about it. And I go, hey, you know what? There's, I think there's validity there. It's like you don't know what to think about. So I went to, I went to Harvard. I spent this week there with 165 nonprofit CEOs from around the country. And uh, I just got this huge insight into what the other side of the coin looks like for how some of these people are moving the needle. Mm. And I was really further inspired to... I sat down next to an Indian woman that feeds 1.45 million kids lunch every day, seven days a week, 365 wow. days a year. And she looks like just this average looking Indian grandma. Unassuming. And I was just like, wow, this is incredible. Um, so really, that, I think that was the big spark to the next chapter of my nonprofit service and how I can continue to benefit our community uh, and pull together resources to, to serve. Love it. And thank you for doing that. What, what, what is your ask of us? What can the Rise Up Network do for you? What do you want us to know about? What action should we be taking to support you guys? I think you're doing a great job of that now by spreading this servant leadership awareness. I mean, this is a huge piece. And one thing I've learned for sure is it takes a village. Um, everybody needs to contribute. And if we, don't, yep. if we don't make the communities look like the ones we want our kids to live in and grow up in, then, then who's going to do that? So I think... Following the motto that uh, many hands make light work, uh, more people need to pitch in, more people need to be concerned, find your passion areas, uh, get off the couch, get out in the community, and uh, let's, let's make them like the ones we want our kids to grow up in. Love that. Folks, so that's, you know, that, that is your charge as, as you listen to this great conversation with Tony Taravani and the CEO and co-founder of Support the Enlisted Project and Chairman of the Seno County Military Veterans Advisory Council, what do you want it to look like for your kids? And are you taking actions consistent with what you do want it to look like? And if the answer to that is no, or not enough, or not there, do something about it. And you might start by checking out Step Online. You know, it's Step SoCal. You can find them on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Tony's got a whole video series that he's rolling out. But really, Life is about service and being of service to others. So we'll leave you with that. 
get educated, serve others, check out Step Support the Enlisted Project, and rise up. Yeah.